0: Today on the Goal USA MLS Podcast, Ivy's Gilars has been set for Telnier, the panel. We talk about if the balance of power has shifted from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. We also take a look back at last weekend's games, Seattle Sounders Incredible Comeback, the stalemate between FC Dallas and Portland, Toronto FC on the rise, and the Battle of the United's that and more on the Goal USA MLS Podcast. Welcome everyone in once again to the Goal USA MLS podcast, my name is John Arnold, joined with a phenomenal panel today in our nation's capital, Seth Patelny, how you doing Seth?
1: How's it going John, I'm doing great.
0: Glad to hear it man, and in New York City, our nation's uh, first capital, is that true? Well I'm in New Jersey, first that's of all. That's true, that's true, I forget you, on. I I know better, in New Jersey it's Ivis Glarsif, what's up Ivis? Nothing much man, beautiful weather in Jersey today. Never been the capital,
2: never been the capital. It's the, it's the capital of uh,
0: pizza. <laughs> the, in, pizza. In. <laughs> the pizza capital of the country. Uh, MLS weekend. It was a good one, guys. Uh, starting way back on Friday, if you remember, the Toronto Tor- – I always do that. I always say the Toronto. Toronto FC beat the Houston Dynamo 2-0. On the Saturday slate, it was Vancouver, talking Montreal 2-1. Orlando blanks the Colorado Rapids 2-0. Red Bulls 2-2. Sh- Chicago Fire 1 in the Dax McCarty return game. The NYCFC went to Columbus, got a 3-2 victory, the Quakes in Minnesota, a 1-0 win, stalemate between FC Dallas and Portland Timbers, that was 2-2, Sporting Kansas City rolled over Real Salt Lake, 3-3, Seattle and New England, a 3-3 draw somehow, we'll talk about that later, the Galaxy and the Union ended scoreless, and in the Sunday game, it was DC United coming from behind to beat Atlanta United, 3-1. I was I want to start with that game, it was interesting to me, and it was also the most fresh in our minds uh it was a game where it looked like at the start uh-oh DC United is in some big trouble but then they were able to to kind of get control of the game and obviously get the three points
2: right i think i think it was actually a pretty good job by Ben Olsen to to make some adjustments on the fly in that match and it's it was an interesting dynamic because Atlanta early on did what they wanted right they just completely overwhelmed DC then Ben Olsen adjusts his midfield. He drops Ian Hark's back. They try to clog the passing lanes. And instead of adjusting Atlanta, just continued to try to do what they did at the beginning of the game. And, and it, it, it didn't sink into them that they need to, they needed to adjust. And, and, uh, that's why DC kind of started to take control, even though Atlanta had Dom, they dominated the possession. They had a ton of the shots, but they weren't as dangerous for the rest of the match. And, Credit to Ben Olsen because he, you know, he gets a lot of uh, a flag for not being much of a tactician and being more of a rah rah coach. But yeah. he did all right. He did all right against Tata. Well, Martino. yeah.
0: What's up with that? Because you know Tata, of course, is a guy who gets a lot of credit for his tactics, and I think rightfully so. But at the same time, as you mentioned, the adaption wasn't really there when it needed to be. Why did it take so long for Atlanta to sort of try and do something different? Is it just Tata's confidence in the system? You know, he's thinking that oh, this is going to work. This is going to work. Well, why didn't he make a shift quicker? Do you think?
2: Well, I'll give Tata credit in the sense that I, I, I see him being a big picture coach, right? And I'm sure he looked at this game as an opportunity for his team to learn a lesson and to to deal with these kind of things. And if you notice at the end of the game, he gave uh, Ben Olsen like the biggest hug ever. They like embraced for like a minute. And I think I have a feeling Martino probably thanked Ben Olsen for for the lesson they just gave his team because i think if you're atlanta you look at and you look at the video of this game you're going to be able to point to the fact that you need to be able to adapt you need to be able to change speeds uh change tempo hold the ball a bit more it can't always be a, it can't always be a track meet it can't always well, the funny thing is as i'm watching the game i was going to tweet that atlanta's like fast and the furious and dc's like drive miss daisy and <laughs> at a certain point at a certain point atlanta needs to be to to to, to you know take it down and not just slow it down and they didn't learn that lesson, and I think maybe Martino will use that to build on as they go through the season and as they take on teams who try to do the same thing. Seth, you've got your finger in the pulse in DC and also love
0: drinking Corona, so you're, you're perfect to talk about both the Fast and Furious analogy and DC United. What, what's the mood there? I think the fans probably on Twitter had to be a little frustrated after that game started like it did, and now have to be pretty thrilled. United has to be pleased coming away with that victory.
1: Yeah, United has really started to turn around after a slow start. They have three wins one loss and one draw in their last five games. And, you know, with DC United, just like it has for the last few fe- the last few seasons, you have to start with the play of Bill Hamid uh, because for all the, the talk of Ben Olsen's tactical adjustment, and I do think he deserves credit for that, but if Bill Hamid doesn't come up with some big saves early on in the game, it's not going to matter. They're going to be down three or four goals. So uh, Hamid continues to be the rock of the team. And, and another huge factor that we've talked about uh, in the past. Luciano Acosta missed the first couple games. He comes back from an injury and just revitalizes the team's attack. And I think his goal scoring totals are going to be something that you're going to really want to look at because he has three goals so far this season in just over five games. He had three goals all of last season to add goals to his game. Uh, he can be a real MLS best 11 caliber player for United this year. The
0: Argentine finally making an impact after a difficult time, getting adjusted last season. Another team in the East that is uh, now on a two-match undefeated streak and, and struggled out of the gate is Toronto FC. They took a they kind of took it to Houston, Ibis. It was a pretty pretty easy one. They did what they wanted to do. They got, uh, you know, goals from Josie Altidore, both of them. It was a good game for Toronto FC. After that rough start, I, was, I think a lot of us were wondering, and I mean, they weren't losing games. They were just drawing almost every game, and they did have that defeat at Columbus. I think a lot of us were thinking, you know, is this still a Toronto team who is as good as we think we are, they are? You know, we, a lot of us predicted them to, to win the conference or fight for MLS Cup or be in that discussion at least. This
2: seems like they're starting to show what we thought they would at the start of the year. Right. I think they are starting to kind of hit a good stride now. And I, I, I think Javinko early on, he, he didn't quite look his he didn't look 100 percent right. And I still remember that first game against RSL. I believe he had his penalty saved. And it, it, just the first couple of matches, he just didn't. He wasn't at the level you've grown accustomed to. And now you're starting to see him uh, get back to that level. And obviously, Josie Otsudor, I think, is now hitting his stride as well. The player who impressed me for them was Raheem Edwards. He was really, for me, the difference maker for them. Uh, working down the wing and, and he's he's looking like a real revelation for them and also their defense the fact that drew Moore's been out with mm-hmm. the heart condition that he's had and they they kind of haven't missed a beating the shutout Houston who has a dangerous attack I, I thought that was pretty impressive.
0: They really did shut them out. And, and you looked at the the dangerous attack, you know, Kubo Torres has been on fire, Albert Alice hasn't been bad, and then you saw Romel Kyoto return. I was thinking as I was watching this game, it's it's definitely possible. This this has the feel of one of those games that could get turned around because Toronto scored too early and, and, and then they were just defending that lead mostly. But Seth, they really shut it down. They, they weren't able to get anything going. Uh, where do you see Toronto at? Are they sort of becoming the contender that we thought?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that between Javinco and Altador it seems like at least one of them has been able to to come up big in the last couple of weeks. And when you have two potent goal scorers like that, sometimes uh, you just only need to rely on one of them. And that's what happened this game again with with Altidore. Um And like I just mentioned, uh, I, I think that you have to be impressed with the defense, uh, the way they've they've kept it together. Uh, while Drew Moore's been out and they've got some good news uh, on Moore recently. Sounds like he might be able to make a return quicker than expected. Um, but uh, another thing I look at with Toronto is just the depth that they have. I mean, you look at the guys that were on the bench to start this game, uh, guys like Armando Cooper, Jay Chapman, Jonathan Osorio, uh, Toussaint Ricketts. These are guys that, that that would be starting for a lot of other teams. So I think if you're a Toronto fan, you have to be Pretty excited about the way things have started to turn around recently, and with that depth, they should be able to continue to keep this run going. Speaking of depth, Ivis, last week you wrote an MLS Rap
0: that the balance of power might be shifting from the Western Conference, which is much stronger, to the East. Now, look, you know I'm a Western Conference guy, and I know you're a Jersey guy, Seth. I know you're a D.C. guy. I want you guys to sort of make the case for me, because I understand where you're coming from. Orlando looks great. The Red Bulls look good. NYCFC. Now we're talking about Toronto, and maybe even D.C. United bouncing up there. But, you know, out West, we had we had some pretty good teams too, which we'll talk about after the break. We'll talk about how good FC Dallas and Portland both looked, how Sporting Kansas City controls games. You know, make the case to me, Ives, make the case that we're starting to see a shift from that Western Conference sort of base of power that we've had for several years to the East.
2: Well, it's interesting because the reason it even came up uh, for me was Luis Robles. Uh, I was talking to him after a game a week ago, and I asked him about the the gap closing between the two because I definitely felt like that there was a sense that the gap's closing between the East and the West. There's been a huge gap for a while, and he actually took it the step further and said he thought the East is tougher than the West. And now, obviously, he plays in the East, so you know there's a little little bias involved there. But when you kind of look at it, for me, I think the West clearly has some very very good teams. Arguably, you could you could say they have the three best teams right now in FC Dallas, Portland, and Sporting Kansas City. But for me, when you talk about depth in, in terms of uh, the a lot more of the weaker teams strengthening up, Orlando City obviously has has, has grown by leaps and bounds. Columbus is better. Chicago is obviously better. And then you have an expansion team like Atlanta, who is one of the most dangerous teams in the league. For me, I just feel like there are more t- there are more tough games now, especially in the West when you have. Colorado they've fallen off and they look like you know they're not going to be what they were last year. Minnesota United are going to have their ups and downs. They, they they had a nice surge recently but for me they're still a couple of steps behind Atlanta. And then the LA Galaxy they, which is you know <laughs> looking like a dumpster fire right now and they're a team that you you expect to be up, higher up in the standings. So that, that I think for, so for that reason when you look at the west I think there's there're many more question marks and there for me I feel like there's a lot more easy games at the moment than there are in East. Man,
0: I tell you what, Oscar Pereja would be pretty upset with you if he heard that, that RC Dallas coach doesn't see too many games in the West. Seth, are you going to be East Coast biased, or are you going to come to my side and agree that the West side is the hardest?
1: Well, i got to go with my East Coast bias here, John. You know I will. Um, (laughs) I, I just think that certainly in the West, I would say that the strongest teams in the MLS in, sorry I, I said the MLS that's just a, an embarrassing moment for me <laughs> I still think the, stro- the strongest teams in MLS reside in the Western Conference uh, for me the two best teams in the league so far have been Portland and FC Dallas uh, but, but but beyond that like I mentioned there are a couple teams that you traditionally would expect to be uh, in a little better spot uh, like the Galaxy like the Rapids uh, just at the bottom of the conference and a couple other teams just seem to be sort of middling uh, like San Jose, Vancouver, Real Salt Lake. You know, they've had their ups and downs this year, probably more downs than ups. Um, so when you look across the West, I do see more easy games, relatively speaking, uh, than compared with the East. Um, in the East, it's just a lot more balanced. Uh, you know, you don't know who the best team is in the East right now. So far, it's been Orlando. Uh, They've been able to put together a great start, but probably still the best team for me on paper, the Red Bulls. But uh, you can make the case that Toronto's there as well. Uh, New York City FC looks to be building on uh, last year's success. So, yeah, I I think top to bottom, I, I think the East is a stronger conference, though the West still has the two best teams in the league.
2: Hey, it, let me jump in here real quick. Right now, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I did. I think I tabulated them last week in in that piece. The East has the edge in the head-to-head, and it's early. It's we're a quarter of, of the way through the season, but the East is does have an edge right now in the head-to-head, and, and in, in recent years, the West has had a dominant advantage in that in that category and that's obviously where it really comes down to is head to head and right now the east is if anything you can say it's the east is closed the gap which is good to see and it's healthy for the league to have that gap close
0: all right all right but as seth mentioned maybe dallas and portland are still the best teams in the league we're going to talk about that right after this break we're going to stop talking some music is going to play we're going to start talking again hope you join us Well, thanks for sticking with us through the break. The arduous task of listening to a few seconds of music. We're back. Don't worry, listener. Here we are. And as promised, we're going to talk about the Western Conference. Guys, I was able to take in what I thought was a really good game uh, between FC Dallas and the Portland Timbers. You saw the Timbers go ahead twice. You saw Dallas come back twice, ends up being a 2 2 draw. This is a Portland Timbers team that I was impressed by, partly because, as I wrote on goal, they didn't have Diego Valeri, but Sebastian Blanco, the Argentine who was signed during the offseason, and David Guzman on set pieces, the Costa Rican central midfielder, also brought in, in in that January window, or maybe late December, I can't recall. But I thought they made. You know, really nice contributions, and when you don't have Diego Valeri, there's not a lot of teams I think who would play as well as Portland still did without their best player. Ivys, what did you think of the Timbers and their ability to to still show some depth, even though they didn't have a really important piece?
2: Well, I mean, it, it, Diego Valeri, you could argue it was the the player of the month in April, uh, or I, I think was it, who who won that award. Was it Joseph Martinez? Valeri was worthy. Valeri is one of the best players to start the year, but. Portland happens to have a player who can play that position in Blanco, who is also, who, if you, he would start on most teams in the league. So from that standpoint, they weren't going to miss a beat. Every time these teams play, it's fun, right? It's a fun Mm -hmm. game. It's back and forth. It You know, it's not usually one of these one-zero struggle fests. They like to go at each other. They like to trade punches. I, I, I mean, you, I'd, every time they play, they should play five times a year because it's always a fun game. And you knew Maxi Rudy was going to get up for this one. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting when he scores that great goal and he runs over to Oscar Pereira and gives him the big hug. I feel like there was a little message there, sure. a little Caleb little Porter, a little – shade action well, I don't know
0: going these, on but it, yeah i don't know if these quotes have come out yet i i, I need to write them up but we interviewed maxi in spanish of course and he said you know i asked him why'd you go why'd you go over there after the game and he said you know oscar gave me a chance like i'm playing a team that that, that i love and that i still have friends in but they let me go oscar gave me a chance he believed in me and that's why i wanted to make sure that i directed that celebration to him. so you're exactly right obviously
2: he, he wasn't even you know keeping a secret about it that's that's exactly why he ran over there yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, they, these, these these are you can definitely say these are the two best teams for my money in the league in mm-hmm. terms of balance, in terms of having attacking force. Sporting Kansas City is a good team, but their attack is still a little inconsistent. But, you know, these teams are going to be right there in the end and as, as long as they can stay healthy. But uh, for me, I still kind of give FC Dallas a little bit of an edge. But Portland showed showed something in playing as well as they did without Blair. I also sort of still give FC Dallas the edge. I was a little... I thought they were going to push maybe a
0: little harder to get that the winning goal at the end. Not that they didn't try, but, you know... I thought, especially at home, where they don't drop many points, I thought they might be able to, to do a little more. Roland Lamar was subbed off. Uh, didn't really impress. Christian Coleman who's also had trouble sort of getting his legs under him um, so far early in the season. He missed a chance that was just on a platter. Uh, fans are getting frustrated with him. I think they need to have more mm. patience. Oscar Pereja you know, thinks they need to have more patience. I think he's the guy who's going to be one of those players who, it's going to take him a few weeks to months, but once he gets his legs under him, I think he'll be a fine addition. Seth, Ives just mentioned how how good it is to watch these teams, how fun. And you said before the break that they're, uh, for you, the two best teams in Major League Soccer. What did you see from this game, and, and do you give one of them the edge, even though obviously they were they were pretty even on Saturday Night in Frisco?
1: Yeah, I still think I would give FC Dallas the edge. I mean, I, I think it says a lot about both of these teams, though, that uh, we were able to have such an entertaining game uh, with both teams missing their number 10, their best playmaker, uh, Mauro Diaz for FC Dallas, and then Valeri, like we mentioned, for Portland, um, I, I still give FC Dallas the edge because of that center back duo of Zimmerman and Hedges. Uh, Portland still kind of figuring that out, still starting kind of a, a fill in in Lawrence Olam at, at center back. But they, they seem to be making it work, uh, at least for the time being. Uh, but certainly, you know, you, you mentioned Rudy as well going over to Oscar Pereja after he scored that goal. I think it was very telling, not just because FC Dallas gave him a chance, but Pereja is back starting him, even ahead of a guy like Holman, uh, who was brought in ostensibly to replace Rudy in the starting lineup. uh, $2 million transfer fee, and, uh, you know, I remember – the first game he played for FC Dallas, he scored. It was in the CONCACAF Champions League. And we all thought, like, this is the number nine they've been missing. And uh, instead, Arrudi's been the guy. And if he can keep scoring like this and they can continue holding down the fort without Diaz, uh, they're going to be right there for the supporter shield again. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure. And I think you're right that we saw Colman as a potential Arrudi replacement. I'm not sure that Pereja ever necessarily saw him exactly like that. I think he likes the flexibility that he has. Now that he has two fours, he feels like he can trust uh, together. And Teshuacindeli, who's played on the wing, he gets the, the equalizer late. He isn't looking half bad either, so I, I think this is a team that, that is going to keep figuring it out. They got RSL this weekend. Let's look at one more Western Conference game. Talk about a fun game. What the heck happened here? It was 3-0 New England after 55 minutes after goals from Diego Koyashi and a double by Juan Agadello, And then... Here come the Sounders, and we end up with a tie at the end of the at the end of everything. I was that was crazy, man. Lodero with the goal, Will Bruin with the goal, Osvaldo Alonso with the goal. I, I don't even know where to start. This was a, an incredible comeback by the Sounders. But then once that once that first goal goes, and you kind of thought, hey, they might
2: be able to do this, right? Well, it's crazy. We just saw Montreal do it against Philly, and I was at that game. And uh, you know, at, the, the big difference being though that Montreal got the first goal in the first half. So for Seattle to in I forget what minute it was in, but it was pretty well the into s- the second half, yeah, seventy fifth, yeah, seventy fifth, seventy. So you're in the seventy fourth minute, down 3-0, and for them to actually keep fighting at that point, because some teams would just start making subs, start playing for next week. But they, you know, credit to Schmetzer and credit to uh, to the Sounders, they they still felt even at that point that they could win the game and. Uh, as far as the winger goes, obviously they're going to come away disappointed. But you know, it's interesting they scored three goals and they didn't even have Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara uh, missed the match, uh, from what I understand. I think his his wife is is due to give birth soon, mm-hmm. so he didn't play. And then they still scored three goals. Juan Agudelo had himself a, a heck of a game. Um, but if you're Seattle, you're feeling pretty good. You've got a bit of a patchwork defense going on right now without Chad Marshall, without Roman Torres. So. Uh, they they got away with that last week against the Galaxy because again the Galaxy are a dumpster fire right now but the, the, they they were punished this time they were punished this time by New England early on and credit to that attack that front attack and but how about Will Bruin can I just say a lot of people in Houston gave him a lot of flack uh, but I I thought when he went to Seattle I thought he I thought that was a great pickup because he's never played he's never played with a supporting cast like he has in Seattle now and he could end up being that surprise guy that gives you ten plus goals that that no one was expecting.
0: The dancing bear back again. Seth, what did you make of this? It was pretty crazy. Like we said, Agadel with a nice performance, boosting the national team stock maybe. What, what do you think, Seth, of this uh, crazy comeback?
1: Yeah, definitely. For New England, it's got to be disheartening losing a three-goal lead. Uh, but I think they can take a lot of positives out of this game nonetheless. First of all, getting a draw on the road against the defending champions is never going to be a bad result. But also, like you mentioned, at age 24, is Juan Agudelo finally putting it all together? We've seen flashes here and there for for so long. Uh, and, and there he is with six goals in nine games, right up at, near the top of the MLS scoring charts. And uh, he's always had such an intriguing skill set. Somebody who you thought, if he can put this together and, and be consistent on a weekend-weekend basis... Uh, week in week out basis he could be right in it right there in the national team picture and, and you have to think maybe the, this is the year that he starts to put it together he's still only 24 even though yeah, that's crazy uh, it seems like he's been around forever he kind of has been around forever you know he scored at age 17 with the national team but that's definitely going to be something worth following as the season goes along and yeah for seattle like i was mentioned gotta be impressed with will Bruin. um you know, last year we saw Valdez play that role, and, you know, Bruin can can be just as good as a, as a number nine. Just with as good. The, I hope as... he can be better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Valdez <laughs> was great
0: in the playoffs, but that, yeah. there wasn't much going on. I was, I want right. to get your thoughts real quick about Agadello. You know, Seth mentions this is a guy who we feel like, hey yeah, you know, he's been around. We've kind of seen what he can do, but he's only 24. He was the youngest goal scorer for the U.S. ever, I believe, when he scored that goal in 2010 in that friendly against South Africa uh is this the guy who's breaking through ivis where's his u.s status at i mean i know we're not he's not going to start in the qualifier in june but but where do you see uh where do you see him going
2: well to be fair uh he had himself a nice run last season as well that 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 did put him on the radar and got him back in with the national team last year uh he's an interesting one because like you said he's been around for so long that you feel like he should be older than he is kind of like dax mccarty who just dax mccarty just turned 30 on sunday I know people probably thought he was 35 because he's been around so long, but with Agadello, you, you definitely get the sense there's some maturity now. He's settled down. Uh, he has a family. I mean, he's still taking maybe more pictures of his car than he should probably be taking, but um, I'm posting them on Instagram, but he, he to his credit. He's, uh, he's doing really well now. And I just, it's a little interesting because you have Agudelo, you have Kai Kamara. Can they play together? Uh, there have been some, some questions about the fit there for Kai Kamara on that team. And, They don't really suit his strengths in terms of the supporting cast there. So you almost wonder, would they be better off uh, with one or the other? And for me, Agudelo is definitely making a really strong case that if you only keep one, you probably want to keep him.
0: Well, guys, I've really enjoyed the discussion today. Listener, if you want a little bit more MLS coverage, you can, of course, read Ivis Glarship's MLS rap. And he's got other stuff coming on the league. Portland fans, if you're upset that we both, all of us, all three of us said FC Dallas hits the edge from us, you can read about how great I thought Portland was this weekend on Goal.com. Just go to Goal.com, click that United States tab, you'll find all the MLS content. We'll use that on the front page as well. But for now, thank you to Ivis Glarsip, thank you Seth for telling me, and thank thank you to you, listener. Listener, thank you for listening. Hope you'll join us next week on the Goal USA MLS podcast. Until then, take care.